front of everybody here, but uh, one thing y'all make me feel at home, so I'm thinking, hoping it goes really smooth. Um, Mark had asked me about seven weeks ago if uh, I'd be interested in preaching. Caught me off guard. I was like, wow, okay, yeah, I like that talk about Jesus, so I think that's right up my alley. Um, so I prayed, I told him I'd go home and pray on it, and I did, and Holy Spirit really guided me and I wasn't sure what to pray on. And it first led me to Romans where it talks about uh, preachers and what you need to, to preach on if you're going to be and how, how important that is to God to give his word out clearly. Um, I talked to Mark about that and he says, I'm sure you're going to go somewhere else. You've got seven weeks. He says, he'll guide you. Um, and he did. And he led me to Matthew 15, 21. That's where we're going to go this morning. Matthew 15, 21. So if we can open our Bibles together to Matthew 15, 21, we'll be going through 21 to 28. Um, I decided to go here because years ago, <clears throat> when I first got saved, it was in Florida, and then we moved to Virginia, the Blue Ridge Mountains. And we attended a church there up on a hill. It was uh, really a tight-knit group. Most of them, generations, had gone there. So when Marcy and I went through the door, we were definitely new blood and uh, a little different. But this man, Kenneth, took me under his wing, older gentleman, really great guy, really a man of God. And um, we went out and we'd do things together. And one day he took me fishing down at Smith Mountain Lake. And we're fishing on the shore and he looks over at me and says, Bob, what do you think Jesus meant that day? He said that woman was a dog and that she wasn't worth eating the breads the crumbs that fell underneath the table. And I said, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. I was new to Christianity. I didn't know the scripture. I'm like, are we sure we're in the same Bible here, Kenneth? He's like, yeah, it's in Matthew. You need to go check it out. He goes, because I, I don't know what that's about. So I went and read it, but I never really got the message until I was asked to preach. And um, I went into it deeply. So we're going to start off by reading Matthew 15 to 21 through 28. Get my glasses on. And it reads like this. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coasts and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord. Thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and he said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and he said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Jesus answered her and said, O oh, woman, great is thy faith, but in unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was healed and made whole from that very hour. Oh, so um, I already got my notes kind of confused here. See, I got my green shoes on today because I'm a green preacher. Green Lord said, told me, wear your green shoes, we'll keep you in line. So uh, we need to go back in time now when we discuss this and um, look at what, what Jesus' time was there. We need to be in his place. 
And um, so just prior to this, the Pharisees were getting down to him on him about hand washing. Prior to that, it was about Sundays, healing. They were just on him at this point. They had given him a lot of grief about what he was doing. They weren't on his side. That was really kind of clear. Um, Jesus told them, you know, when they got down about the hand washing, he says, it's not what goes in, but it's what defiles the man's what comes out of their mouth. Um, Tyre and Sidon, it's kind of crazy to decide to go to Tyre and Sidon because they're in Lebanon, about 105 miles north of, of uh, Jerusalem. The Israeli border's not too far south of there. Um, Tyre was a city about 2,000 years old B.C., but it was came around about 2000 B.C. And what they do there is they had an industry where they'd take a mollusk shell and they would harvest these shells and they'd uh, extract a purple dye out of that shell. And the way they had to process it, they'd put it in these big vats <coughs> of brine and um, then this beautiful purple would come out. It was a royal purple and Romans loved it. It was very expensive. The value was more than gold. So it was worth them to do this process. Um, Tyre was also a, a, a seaport. These guys really were good sailors. They went all around. So they got all kinds of information coming back in there. Um, Tyre, with this uh, purple dye, when they manufactured it, the brine would leave a terrible, stinky dye. But they just poured them out in the city. So the city had a horrible stench from all this stuff. They were sending out this beautiful royal purple color representing Jesus, and they were keeping the trash. They were keeping the stinky stuff behind in Tyre. Tyre was a wicked city. It was full of idolatry at that time. So um, it's kind of funny that Jesus decided that we're going to go there with his disciples when he was sent to the last sheep of Israel. What's going on in Israel? Jeez, why would he do that, I'm wondering, you know? Well, Mark says, the two Gospels that talk about this are Mark and Matthew. And in Mark, he says they went there for rest. To get rest, they found a house. They were going to be secluded with Jesus. Disciples are happy. We got them by ourselves. We're going to rest. Um, but God had other plans for them on this whole journey. I believe it was definitely destined. Um, that, uh, let's see here. She was a desperate mother, okay, this Canaanite woman. She, she had a lot going against her. She was a Canaanite. She was woman, which back then the rabbis, a lot of them wouldn't even answer a woman's questions. They didn't really care you know, much for them. The big thing was her daughter was demon-possessed, and she believed her daughter was demon-possessed. We know as a fact that she knew her daughter was demon-possessed, but she has hope. This woman is full of hope. And um, she had to have heard about Jesus. Because if you notice, she called him the son of David when she approaches him. She says, you're the son. She called him the Messiah. That's indicating she doesn't just know him. She has a relationship with God. She's, just, she's been Canaanite. She probably went out and, and Baal and the other gods that they worshipped and Sidon and Tyre. She probably went out there and tried them out. And they didn't work. Somehow, through all this, she heard about Jesus. Information's coming in. This guy's healing people. He's doing amazing things for the God, for the Jewish God, that he came down. And so there, she hears these things. She puts her hope in God. 
And you know, she pray, I believe that she prays to God earnestly. She wants this devil out of her daughter. You mothers know, I know all you moms in here know, if you had a daughter in this position, you'd do anything you could to get this taken care of. Um, but the main thing is, she has hope. God wants us to have hope. God is our hope. He's our only hope. We don't have hope unless we have hope in God. So she, uh, she knows this. She realizes, you know, this is it. She believes it. So she prays to God. She says, man, you know, I hope, I just hope that Jesus will come to Tyre. What's the odds of that? Wow, that's a wild hope. You might as well be buying lottery tickets because that's pretty far off that he's going to be going up into Lebanon. But he does. He takes his disciples. He tells them we're going to go there to rest. I believe he told the disciples we're going there for rest so he didn't have to hear him bickering about why in the world are we going into Lebanon? Why are we going out here? We're just going to go get some rest, guys. Come on. Let's go. They head out there, and um, she hears. Somehow she hears that he is going to Tyre. He's coming. Somebody tells him, Jesus is here. She's like, wow, my hope has been filled. I hope this and he's coming. God reached in and answered her hope. Then she hopes. She says, you know, I hope I just see him. I hope I see him. Well, I just hope I see Jesus out there. And guess what? Boom, she sees him. And so she sees Jesus. Her hope has been filled. And God reaches down one more time and says, boom, there you are. She says, I just want Jesus to hear me. Just let him hear my words, please, Lord. And she yells to him. She says, Lord, Lord, have mercy on me. My child is grievously vexed with the devil. Please, have, you know, have mercy. And he hears her and says nothing. But right then, okay, at that moment, they're together. And, G- and she is focused on Jesus. Jesus is focused on her. There's a connection here, right? Okay, she had hope. Hope, hope is the... Um, Hope is, well, I can't believe I forgot what hope was, but right? <laughs> hope is a, a faithful, um, oh boy, give me just a minute. You're doing a great job, Bob. Thanks, I'm trying. I wouldn't have made it that far, this is awesome. Okay. Um, yeah, well, faith is a substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of things not seen. So I'm going to go there with it because I'm a little... Hope is future, right? Hope is a confident expectation that good is going to come in the future. That's what it is. Sometimes, you know, you have to wait on God. We all have to wait on God. God tells us, wait. He tells us, have patience, wait. You have to wait on the Lord. And she waits on the Lord for her answer. She's waiting. She waited at home all day and tired. But it didn't happen right away. She had that patience. Um, faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You notice that faith, it says now faith is. Faith is present tense. Faith is right now at that time. Hope is in the future. So she had that hope in the future. Go to Tyre, hope that she would see him, hope that he would hear her. So she's right there at Jesus right now. And he says nothing. Why does he say nothing? Because it's faith. Right now, her hopes, three things God answered, three of her hopes. And she's at Jesus' 
right in front of Jesus with total focus. And this is faith. Right at that moment is true faith. If you want an example of faith in the Bible, right here it is. Because Jesus doesn't say a word. Now, a lot of people look at that and Jesus is being cold to her. Jesus is ignoring her because she's a Canaanite. She's not one of them. No. Jesus is full of love. He is silent because there is a state of faith right now. He wants to hold it right there. Hold her in that place. The faith is so strong because she had all these hopes. Hope is the substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. You have to have hope to get to the faith. She had all this substance. Her, her faith was built up with substance. Boom, boom, boom. Now she has all this hope. It turns to faith right in front of Jesus' presence. And what did the disciples do? They decide to run up there and say, Lord, she cries after us. Send her away. She's annoying us. Well, Jesus is like focused on her. Okay? Now the disciples say this thing, and he's like, whoa, I've been sent for the lost sheep of Israel. And he's talking to the disciples as well as her. And he's saying it to her to let her know, you're ahead of the disciples. They are so lost sheep. I still have to tend to my sheep over here before I can ever get to you because my father told me, Jews first, Gentiles later. So the Jews come first. I can't really grab you. You know why? Because women, you have so much faith. My disciples have so little faith. You know, I think he's saying to the disciples when he said to Peter, you have so little faith, he's saying, why don't you take more? Why don't you take more of my faith? I'm giving it to you. I give it. Just take it, Peter. Take it. She took it all. She would take everything he would give. So there they are, right? And the disciples saying this to him. And I think he was kind of a little bit discouraged with what they said. I look at it like, you know, that was rude of them to say that to her at that moment. And Jesus responds and says, um, what he says here, he says, uh, it is not my meat to take the children's bed and to cast it to the dogs. Wow. Does he call her a dog? Well, it's, he's not really saying dog, cast it to the dog. He says to the dogs. And if we go back in time, and we remember Jesus had just said fed 5,000 on the mountain prior to this, Right? And uh, then he went up to the hill for rest. They went out in the boat, walked on water, all that. But when he was feeding those 5,000, if you recall, there was 12 baskets left over. There was more than enough to feed all the people. Those 12 baskets represent the 12 disciples. Jesus gives them all this bread, but they can't take it all in. This woman will have satisfied with a crumb. But they have left over because the disciples haven't taken all this bread inside of them yet, spiritually speaking. They haven't developed it yet. So he has extra for them because they're not able to comprehend it all. So he tells her, he says, you know, I don't have meat to cast to the children, the children's bread and cast it down to the dogs because if he took that bread and he cast it to the Canaanites, they would scarf it. You know how hungry dogs are under a table? If you have one dog under your table, they're kind of a little picky about the bread. You put three dogs under there, they're going for it. They're going to eat up every crumb. All the crumbs are gone. See, and Jesus in his parables, in the way he speaks, he is basically saying that the Canaanites are ahead of you right now. If, if I come here and give them the bread, they're going to digest it and understand what I'm preaching 
more than you guys over here are. And my father sent me to you first, so I got to straighten you guys out before these guys can get it, 100%. Even though they're ahead. How do you know that? What, what makes you say that, Bob? We go to Luke. And Luke 10, Jesus says this. He says, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, a city in Israel, Woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which had been done in you, they'd had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes, representing total repentance. When you're in sackcloth and ashes, the Bible talks a lot about that. He says, they'd be in sackcloth and ashes. And thou, Capricorn, Capernaum, which are exalted to heaven, shall be thrust down to hell. He that heareth you, heareth me. And he that despiseth you, despiseth me. And he that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. So that's the biggest sin of all. If you're despising God, he's telling his own people, Tyre and Sidon are going to be better off than you guys unless you straighten out. Does that make sense, church? Um, you know, she kept her eyes on God the whole time. The disciples say, send her away. I don't even know if she heard that from them, actually. She was so focused on Jesus at that time, right on Jesus, that uh, what did she do? She ran to his feet and worshiped and said, Lord, help me. That's how much faith she had in him. The disciples, they say, she cries on us. They're not crying. She didn't come crying on the disciples. She cried crying to Jesus. They are so bold and in their own world that they think, yeah, she came crying to us. Send her away. Wow. Can you imagine if our church and Mark was up here and someone was out there and said, Lord, help me, God. Please help me in there. I want to come in. There's an outsider outside our church and they want to come in. And we say, uh, he's crying out there. Just send him away. Just send him away. What if Jesus said, I need a healing. I have cancer. Oh, I don't have time now. Just send him away. My heart's broken. I've been through a misery in my life. I'll send them away. I don't have time right now. No, that's not how Jesus reacts. So when the disciples reacted that way, I believe Jesus was just like, man, we got more training to do. These guys are like in fourth grade, and she's graduating junior high. <laughs> so it's, you know, the Jews first, then the Gentiles. And she came, you know, she worshiped Jesus. She came to his feet. Um, when you know, again, when he said it's not good meat to cast to the dogs, he uses that as a plural because there's dogs under the table. There's a bunch of Canaanites under that table. He can't cast that to them because they're going to be on ahead of him. And, and his father's going to be going, well, what's going on? Your disciples are way behind and these other people are getting ahead. Things are kind of getting backwards here. You see, and God's, God doesn't think like we do. Well, on earth, we want to think that Jesus right here was telling her he didn't answer because he's, he's kind of doesn't like her or something. She's a Canaanite. And then he told her, man, I'm only here for the last sheep of Israel. Like he's discouraging her, maybe trying to build her faith way up. But I believe he is telling her how good she is. You know, Jesus didn't get down on women and stuff. He was, the people that came to him and needed help, he helped them. He didn't get down on them. He yelled at the Pharisees. He yelled at the people that didn't love him. She loved him. You know, 
She says, in the truth, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. In other words, give me one crumb, Jesus, and it's enough to satisfy me. One crumb would be good. And that had to just really set in his heart because there was a super connection between him and this Canaanite woman. And he did this. It was a big education for the disciples. I truly believe God looked down on her when she was praying and said, I'm sending my son to Tyre to meet her because she has that much faith. Because God will do that. He will move. When you want him to move, he will move. You know, he, I, I got to say, two weeks ago, I was going to preach this totally different, but God, the Holy Spirit laid it on to me that this is what this is about. It's not about Jesus being any kind of strange behavior that he hasn't done in the past. No, this is all his love coming out and pouring out into this woman. And what does he tell her? He says, oh, you have great faith. He's only said that to one other person, that Roman centurion. He said that to him. That's a whole different story why he said that. It's completely different. It's a whole other lesson. But we're hearing this right now, right now in Jesus' time, in his parables, in his way of speaking. And the disciples certainly are having trouble understanding that. But Jesus' heart is so big that he says, this is how it's going to be. Now, you notice when she's waiting for him there, they're, they're together and he says nothing. There's a moment there, you know, her power is building. For they that wait upon the Lord, your strength shall be renewed. They shall rise up with wings like eagles and be able to walk and not run. They'll be able to run and not be weary and walk and not faint. That's what she was doing, man. She had the wing strength of the wings of an eagle. She had so much faith that uh, she was determined she wasn't going to take no for an answer. And Jesus granted her what she wanted. And in Mark, it says she went home. Child, it says she was a young daughter. She was totally healed. And um, you got to bless the Lord for that, don't you? Oh, yeah. Any comments, any thoughts with anybody about that? Any thought about hope? So, you know, Jesus knows everything. He's like, he's God, so he knows everything. So he knew, and I never thought of this when he just preached this, but he knew... Like when he told the woman that thing, it sounded kind of harsh, but I don't think, think it was for the disciples, like, you know, for them. Mm-hmm. And, um, to yeah. show them as an example, you know, it's like I'm talking, saying this to her, but she's, you know, still believing Mom. faith in me. Right. And she's willing to, you know, lower herself, whatever, you know, I don't think I'm. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. She was willing to do whatever it would take. You know, I think I truly believe she had all that deep hope because you have to have hope to have faith. You have to have faith to have hope. The two go together. The two are linked together. God links these two things together. Very important. There's so much of it in the Bible. Um, and, and to see her great faith come out like that, a woman that has so much against her, a Canaanite woman, um, how Jesus just really didn't say a word at that moment. That gave us space for faith. Isn't there a story about a man who had a sick friend, sick relative, went to Jesus and then asked Jesus to heal him? And, he, and Jesus told him, well, go, go back to your partner who, and, and he, he will be healed. You know, because that guy's faith in him 
Jesus that you know, his partner was healed. Mom. I can't remember the story uh-huh. word for word, no, but I know that's right. in there. Yeah, that's the other healing. Uh-huh. I believe you're referring to the other one with the centurion. take all that he would give. See, you were willing to take all he'd give. Because he'll give you a lot. Sometimes we don't want to take all of it. In God's world, we need to take. Um, in our world, it's better to give, right? But in God's world, it's better to receive. He likes us to receive. He wants to fill us up. He wants to fill our vessels. Sorry. Sorry. That's okay. Uh-huh. Now, I just, um, I feel like there's there's almost another message in her, in his not saying anything to her because, like, I, in my own life, I felt that way so many times. You know, you, you pray and like you know that God's in Good control. Point. Yes. But and you know that it's all going to work out. But it's like, God, why aren't you saying anything yet? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you? You Good know, point. and so that we all need to have that faith. Like, <laughs> even though it's not happening yet, even though we don't hear him yet, he hasn't said anything to me. I know that he's in control, and mm-hmm. I know that he's going to make it okay. Right, because a lot of times when we hear nothing, we get discouraged. Yes. Um, I know there's other people here that, that grew up in the South, 
But um, having grown up in the South, I think we have a real understanding of prejudice. And that's a situation where somebody truly believes that they're better than somebody else. Mm -hmm. I, without question, you're inferior, I'm su superior. Um, and in that culture, in those days, the Jews honestly believed that. So that's it's right. not like, I don't think, like the disciples were especially bad or anything. They were just Jews. Right. They were just Jews. That was their and culture. If yeah. you talk to any Jew there, they're going to say, these Gentiles are inferior. That's right. Uh, if we, Kathy and I watch it, she grew up in North Dakota. If we watch a show on TV that has to do with prejudice and blacks in the South and stuff, she's like, I don't get that. And I'm like, <laughs> well, well, I don't agree with it, but I totally understand that it's that strong. Right. So when they said, get, get her out of here, yeah. you know. They were. They they definitely were. It's a Canaanite yeah, it woman. Was, it was like they weren't super bad. They were just the culture at the time. Right, and they looked at them as dogs. Yeah, they looked yeah, at them as yeah. uh, not house pet dogs, but <laughs> wild dogs. <laughs> you know, a lot of times, if you read the scripture, it'll indicate that Jesus used a different term: dog, a house dog, a, house, a puppy, a house pet. Um, there's two terms, you know. It's like the word fly. There's a fly on the wall, or you're gonna fly in the air. That kind of had a different meaning there, but there was two terminologies. I I never knew what like street dogs were until I went to Mexico with my ex husband. Like he's from there, and like you walk down the street and they the enough of them get together and they're hungry enough, they will tear you up. They like like it's, it's like. Right. And what Jerry said is really important. I wanted to stress on that too, that the, the Canaanites were looked down way down on by the Jews. You know, they were and um, so that's all part of it. And she 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 would lived in that area. She wasn't about to, I don't think, go down to Israel and try and find him. She had a daughter she had to take care of that was possessed with a demon, young daughter, probably unable to really get out much. All she could do was pray that he would come here to tire. Yeah. Um, I'm going to close with this. Blessed be the short-winded preacher for he shall be invited back. <laughs> well, yeah, I got one more thing. I got one more thing. I got one more story I want to share. I want to share one more story with you. And Jesus was out one day, and he went by Martha's house, and Martha and her sister Mary were home, and they had to be so excited to see Jesus come. And he comes to their house, you know, two ladies' houses, Rabbis and the Pharisees would probably never would do that. But he does. He goes over to Martha and Mary's to visit him. What a great thing. And Mary goes inside and she's preparing food for him. And, Mar and Martha goes inside, excuse me, Martha goes inside and prepares food for Jesus and gets things ready. And Mary goes out with Jesus and she sits at his feet and Jesus starts telling her story and telling her and worshiping to her, you know, giving her the good news. And Mary's inside. Um, Martha's inside. Uh, Martha's inside. <laughs> Martha's inside. Mary's outside. Right? What Mary did at that time was rude. In that time frame. And what Martha did was right. Mary, being at his feet, she's not really doing anything to help there. But Martha being inside getting things organized for her guests. That in the culture was the proper thing to do. 
okay? But in God's world, in God's economy, well, he had Mary right where he, she, she wanted Mary to be, at Jesus' feet, right where she needed to be. And Martha's inside, and Martha's getting grumpy. Martha's getting, she's getting all irritated and angry about what's going on out there. And Martha comes out. Jesus, why do you let my sister not help me serve? My sister America didn't help me serve. She gets both of them at once with one sentence. She blames both at once. She blames Jesus and she blames Mary. Often we blame everybody but ourselves for our problems. And what does Jesus Jesus says? Martha, you have many worries and many troubles that concern you, but you don't think of one thing. Church, say one thing. One thing. Do you believe one thing? Do you believe it only takes one thing? A lot of people don't believe it's only one thing. Jesus said one thing. He said the one thing Mary's taking part, and Mary will not be denied. Let Mary take, take, and take, and take from me. You see, what pleases God more? Martha, who sees Jesus in an earthly state, tired, coming to her, wanting to feed him and take care of him. Or Mary, who sees him as God and goes to his feet and worships and takes and takes and takes from Jesus. Which one pleases God? See, because God is here, like I said, we want to give, give, give here, but God just wants us to receive. He wants us to take it in, right. suck it all in. Amen. Take it, take it. Take your blessings, take your healings. But most of all, church, what we need to take is take God's word. Take his word. Take it, take it and read it. Take it and study it. Take his word and everything he tells us. Amen. 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 Thank you. God around me. Gather around, pray together. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to speak today. Oh, you dropped the mic. Yeah.